We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome inside the Guilty as Charged podcast. My name is Steven, and I am your host. As always, apologies for the uh, little bit of a late start. Sometimes you move, and uh, you know your microphone gets turned all the way down, and you log it back, log in, and you're like, "What the hell? Can't hear anything." So, uh, appreciate the patience today. Uh, happy to talk some ball with my guys here today, Tyler and Alex. Tyler, we'll start with you, man. How are you doing today? Doing wonderful. I just started my first week of student teaching this week uh, in Orange County, so that's going well. Uh, they haven't kicked me out yet. We'll see how long that lasts. Yeah, you know, they uh, everybody's desperate for teachers nowadays, so I'm sure you won't get kicked out anytime soon. But uh, best of luck with that. So um, Alex is here as well, man. Alex, how are you doing tonight? Doing good. Doing good. Uh, JC can absolutely take your ankles. I, I will make that sacrifice for you. All three, all three of us should contribute a little bit to just one ankle, and uh, we can save JC for week one. <laughs> yeah, so obviously we are here to uh, talk about the JC Jackson news. We're also going to talk about the return of Kenneth Murray, um, some of the latest roster cuts, news and notes from practice the last few days, and also preview things to watch for in the Saints preseason game. Uh, so first and foremost, an update on Mr. JC Jackson, as uh, everybody knows who's here in the chat. Uh, had surgery yesterday on an ankle issue. Um, you know, Ian Rappaport initially reported that it was a minor scope. He should be back pretty soon. Um, and then today we finally got some clarification on why it happened now as opposed to uh, previously because this is something that he's kind of done, he's kind of dealt with, excuse me, uh, throughout the pretty much his whole life, it sounded like. So um, I guess it recently flared up about two and a half weeks ago. Brandon Staley said that they um tried to work through it they tried to rehab it they tried to do some uh pain injection shots and it didn't really work out so um they decided they meaning the team and jc that it was better to handle this now clean up some of the discomfort and then of course kind of uh deal with it as opposed to playing through the whole season with this kind of ankle injury so that's the latest in terms of jc's uh ankle injury Alex, we'll start with you in terms of your reaction to this. Uh, now that we have some clarity, what are kind of your takeaways from JC's ankle surgery? Yeah, um, I mean, their clarifications make sense, right? Obviously, they kind of wanted to 
surgery to be a you know last potential option and you know hope through uh you know injections and other methods that it would just kind of rehab its way out of it um at the same time if we're at a two to four week you know time frame for jc recovering post-surgery now and this pain started you know flaring up two and a half weeks ago as an issue I do wonder, you know, given how safe the Chargers are, you know, tend to be with sports performance and all these other sorts of things, why it wasn't given more consideration, you know, a week ago or even two weeks ago when it seemed like the treatments kind of weren't helping for him to get the surgery then. Um, and then obviously he would probably would be, you know, definitely ready by week one, maybe even ready the week before the season if we're functioning off of that two to four week timeline. Um I do also question the Chargers being kind of radio silent for five days on it. And then, you know, JC obviously playing through pain in these practices for two weeks well before this announcement. So I do think the communication was a little bit weird in terms of how the Chargers dealt with this, but it doesn't seem like it's going to be a long-term injury for him was a, you know, non-invasive scope as the team says. So I don't think there's anything to worry about long-term, but um, I, you know, obviously, you want JC on the field against the Raiders. You want him on the field against the Chiefs um, because their chances of winning those games are are lower without him, right? I mean, Michael right. Davis probably can get the job done. You could probably have him in ASJ as uh, CB1 or 2 for two games if necessary or one game. Um, but, you know, they signed him for a reason. And so for him to be, you know, dealing with his injury and, you know, you just hope it doesn't linger on as an issue potentially during the season. Um, so unfortunate news, uh, bad break for the chargers and bad break for JC, obviously. Yeah, I'll definitely wait. Like me personally, I will wait until kickoff week one to actually judge this decision, you know, because if he comes back, you know, the week of that game and he's practicing and everything was just planned perfectly, no problem. And I am encouraged today, yesterday, you know, everyone was talking about it being minor, no big deal, but still two to four weeks. But today, Brandon Staley is saying, you know, it all depends on how fast the wound heals. So when the wound heals, they'll be out there. If the wound heals quickly, it could be on the low side. Um, so the good news is, and he re- he reiterated several times, it's not like an injury. They just had to get right. this done. So JC Jackson, you know, he's been in Orange County for a while. You know, we're known for our boob jobs and whatnot. And he got a little <laughs> cosmetic surgery. So, you know, he got it done. It sounds like the wound will be healed pretty quickly and all should be fine. I'm I, uh, okay with this for now, and then we'll see. But we'll see. If he misses week one because of this, and he's known about this, then yeah, I'll backtrack and say, okay, what the hell were we doing here? But if sure. everything works out according to plan, no problem. Sure. You know, there was, I guess there was a theory going around that uh, he has or had six toes and that this was him removing a six toe. Jeff Miller of the LA Times, of course, uh, debunked that theory today. So we know that JC Jackson did not have a six toe. You know, I like the way that Brandon Staley worded it, right? And that this is not necessarily a long-term thing, that this is, mm-hmm. you know, purely a lifestyle thing. And, you know, obviously I wish this would have, you know, happened sooner. But, I mean, he's played with it for the last few years. He's, he's kind of dealt with the pain. And the fact that this man was just kind of, you know, racking up interceptions like nobody's business with whatever right. this issue was in his ankle, I think says a lot to him. So, or says a lot about him, I should say. Um you know, I, I think, you know, obviously he could certainly be back for week one, but I think we do have to talk a little bit about like what this does for the short, the short term mm-hmm. of this defense. And, you know, like Alex mentioned, obviously you, you hope that he's out there for the Raiders game. You hope that he's out there for the Chiefs game. Um, you know, anything past the Chiefs game would be more than the four week diagnosis, if you will. So um, there, you know, there is that to consider. But Tyler, what do you, what do you kind of, make of the way Brandon said they can kind of shift this defense around and potentially match up with the Raiders and the Chiefs without J.C. Jackson. I feel good about it as it is right now. Just please don't lose one more person. (laughs) We're good. We're okay. Like, we're not the best right now if J.C. doesn't play, but we're okay. Sounds like Derwin today, he went and he had a pass breakup versus Everett, then almost an interception versus Allen, and then a sack the next player or whatever in a three-down series. Um, so he will solve a lot of problems for you. That's why they're paying him even more. Um, so I think that you're okay there. I'm okay with Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. starting. Callahan's been great. All good. As long as we don't lose another person, I feel good. I feel like there's enough players in the secondary to hold down the fort. Will it be great? 
Without JC Jackson, maybe not. But I think you can do enough. And frankly, I don't think you like. Yes, the strength of the Raiders is their is their passing attack easily. Duh. But you don't need to necessarily stop their passing attack so much to beat them. They still have a bad secondary. They still have a bad offensive line. Now, I did say that week 18 of last year and the Chargers <laughs> still lost. But I do feel like the defense overall is a lot better. Storm Norton, it seems like, won't be starting anyway. So I think we're okay. I think Dur- I think, yeah. I think Brandon Staley can do enough with the players that he has that will be fine. Yeah, in terms of just the the purely the secondary, right? Like presumably, Asante Sammy Jr. and Michael Davis have both improved since that Week 18 matchup against the Raiders, and we we know for a fact that they upgraded the slot position with Bryce Callen instead of Chris Harris. And you know, Derwin James is back and healthy. You know, Sir Adderley back and healthy, presumably taking another step forward. Um, you know, Alohi Gilman kind of sounds like he's locked down the third safety spot, not recovering from a torn quad as well. So. In terms of just the secondary, obviously you wish that JC were was there and present for these two matchups. But in terms of who they have now in the secondary, I feel better about it than the last time we saw this secondary. And I don't know if that's really saying a lot, you know, given how they, they kind of struggled with injuries and with performance overall down the stretch. So obviously from a pure entertainment standpoint, I would love to see JC against Devontae Adams. But I, I feel good enough about Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. Um, about holding down the fort, at least temporarily, against those two teams. And that's even before we get to the pass rush and to the scheme that Brandon Staley can kind of work in his favor as well. Yeah, I mean, I also think it's worth pointing out that in those first two weeks, you know, regardless of whether JC plays or not, Darren Waller may not play week one, um, sure. you know, as was uh, rumored this week. Uh, and then you have a Chiefs team that's going to be still figuring out that offense post Tyreek Hill. Um, so if you're looking for two matchups to have now, I guess, while J.C. Jackson potentially isn't there, it would probably be the early stage, you know, uh, rivalry games against the Raiders and uh, the Chiefs, as opposed to obviously later in the year when things get a little bit more dire. Um, and also, I think the way that Brandon Saley kind of works his defenses anyway I think a lot of people are going to hone in on like JC Jackson versus Adams and, and that potentially being off the table now. But I mean, you know, we had Jalen Ramsey versus Devonte Adams in a playoff game and they covered, he won another maybe five snaps, you know, a couple of years ago when Brandon Staley yeah. was defensive coordinator of the Rams. So um, I would expect him to employ a lot of zone heavy looks that probably get uh, Michael Davis and Asante Samuel Jr. involved. If uh, J.C. Jackson isn't to play, it's it's not like Brandon Staley views this as a uh, one-on-one defense, so to speak, where it's only going to be J.C. Jackson out there. So I think the Chargers obviously can, um, you know, weather the storm here with this J.C. Jackson injury. And I think considering how they play anyway, and as well as, you know, I guess you want to say the things that the Raiders and the Chiefs are going through right now, it's. I don't want to say it cancels out because, you know, obviously JC is the number one corner, but it can make things a little bit better for the Chargers. Now, like Tyler said, if the depth starts to wane thinner, right now we have a problem because obviously, you know, you have Asante Samuel Jr.'s kind of like injury history. Um, if Michael Davis gets banged up because, I mean, they just waved. Even I know a lot of people aren't going to want Tavon Campbell to have play, even if he didn't get waved with the injury designation yesterday. Sure. Tavon Campbell was someone who had, you know, starting experience and someone who probably, had he not gotten injured, you know, would have uh, made the roster, right? So the fact that you don't have him, you know, you have Dean Leonard and John Taylor, guys who are rookie corners. I mean, it's going to get thin there. Uh, obviously, Bryce Callahan's your slot, but really JC is the only injury that they can afford for a very short period of time, because the longer you go down that list in terms of who they have, um, it, it gets dicier. Yeah. You know, a lot of people, obviously not a fan of, of Tavon Campbell, but I, I think he was a good, you know, CB4, CB5 to have, um, you know, I, I certainly still would be more comfortable playing Campbell than I would with Dean Leonard at this particular point in, in their respective careers. So, um, you know, it is important to point out, I got, I've gotten this question a lot. The Tavon Campbell situation is unique of itself. It has nothing to do with JC Jackson. He was also injured dealing with a knee injury the last few weeks. So I do expect him to reach a settlement with the team and, and essentially stay on the team. And, and while he deals with this injury, 
Um, essentially, he's just going to be on IR up until you know he gets healthy. So we'll see what happens there, and we'll we'll talk about some of the other cuts. But like Alex was mentioning, I think you do kind of see a shift schematically with this kind of news, right? You probably play less man-to-man coverage, play more zone coverage. Uh, Kevin Kernick point out in the chat, maybe put Derwin James on Devontae Adams a little bit more, especially if Darren Waller is uh, not playing in that game, which, you know, that's been a very weird situation to keep an eye on. I think he's only practiced like one time all training camp, which, you know, isn't necessarily the end of the world, but, you know, he's been, he hasn't been healthy. He's been going to WNBA games instead of practices. So it's just a little strange there, but um, you know, I, I trust Brandon Staley. I trust Derwin. I trust Asante and Michael Davis to hold their own. I trust Bryce Callahan to be better against Hunter Renfro than Chris Harris was. So I, I feel okay about the first game. It really is is honestly the second game. I think is where you probably feel JC's absence a little bit more, uh, dealing with Patrick Mahomes and the Chief off Chiefs Chiefs offense. Uh, I should say. First of all, would absolutely co-sign and love to see Derwin James versus Devontae Adams. If nothing, right? nothing else that I'm I'm at the game, I'd love to see that. <laughs> um, I'm trying to look up now how often Derwin James was used outside last year for the Chargers. Uh, it was only ten snaps. I think I, I looked at this oh, recently. Yeah, and most of that most of that was against the Cowboys when they had him uh, right. coming Ceedee Lamb in, in that matchup, which might be fine if Devontae Adams will play a lot from the slot as well, but. That might yeah. be Renfro's role, I would assume, or Waller. So, yeah. So we'll see. Obviously, you know, we'll uh, keep you guys updated as much as we can in terms of JC's health. Hopefully, mm-hmm. he's, this is just the uh, two week situation. The first game is obviously, I think, 18 days away as of today, 19 as of the surgery, or I guess it would be 20 from the surgery. He had surgery Monday, right? I thought it was over the weekend, no? I don't know. Anyways, we'll see. Um, All right, next up on the docket today, we have to talk about Kenneth Murray returning to practice. Uh, Getting uh, ramped up into the process a little bit faster than I would have thought. He Mm -hmm. only participated in individual individual drills on Monday, uh, but yesterday and today he has participated in full team drills. Uh, It sounds like the team still kind of expects Kyle Vannoy, Andrew Tranquil to be the starters at least while Murray kind of, you know, acclimates himself and gets gets fully healthy. But um, fantastic news individually for Kenneth Murray that he is back. Tyler, what do you make of uh, his journey back to this team? And what do you kind of expect his uh, role to be this year? Ooh, the second part's more interesting, but I'll get to the first part. I'm happy to see him back out there and hear yeah. that he's back out there. Seems like he has a great mindset, you know, revenge does wonders for the will to live, right? And he just he wants to get out there and he, he knows everything that people are saying about him, the adversity he faced on and off the field, the injuries he's taking all that and using that as fuel. And sure. Every player says that, but I feel like, I don't know. Murray's always felt like this reserved kind of like kinder person. And he yeah. is like, he definitely is. So to see maybe a switch maybe in him to just change things instead of thinking so much or worrying, it just sounds like he's going to hunt. I hope I'm kind of guessing here, obviously based off a couple quotes, but I hope that mentality switch is just different for him. And I think it could be. As far as his role, <laughs> this is this is the million-dollar question. Sure. It's the million-dollar question. Because you have a Staley guy at Mike right now, where usually it was, you know, Kaiser wasn't a Staley guy. Kava Noy is. So you can get rid of Kaiser White, because A, you don't pay those guys anyway. B, not really a Staley guy. Kava Noy is a Staley guy. So do you kick him out now to more edge? Now, do you not keep Jamal Davis because you don't need that extra guy? Davis has earned that, ro- that right to be there. Is he will linebacker? Do you put him over Tranquil? Do you ramp him up? I don't know. I really don't know. I, I think the best case scenario for everyone to win, except Drew Tranquil, is Kyle Van Noy and Kenneth Murray on the field together. That's just how I think it is. If at some point they feel like Kenneth Murray is a better coverage guy halfway through the year, maybe he can take some responsibilities as that dime linebacker that Kyle Van Noy probably has to start the year, but I think if you're just thinking base three four or four two five or whatever, I think that the best way for everyone to work with the most talent, I think, and really what the whole team wants to do moving forward is Kyle Van Noy, Kenneth Murray. I think that's just the best thing you can do. I do think Drew Tranquil was better and is better, but you got to get Kenneth Murray involved. But you can't take Kyle Van Noy off the field, so get both of them out there. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, we were talking about Kenneth Murray's injury recovery timetable being, you know, four to six weeks. He'd come back like the week before the Raiders game on the long end of that. So the fact that he is back, uh, you know, a whole two and a half weeks prior to that Raiders game, you know, enough time to get ramped up potentially, even if he's not going to be one of the top two linebackers in that game, just to get ramped up back into that role. Uh, and then, you know, we'll see how his role, like Tyler said, potentially changes throughout the year with Kyle Van Noy and all the other players in the linebacker room as well. Um, the role question, yeah, that's the one that's difficult to answer. Like Tyler said, I do eventually think they want to make Kenneth Murray the starting middle linebacker and then see kind of what happens with Kyle Van Noy, whether he, you know, kind of matriculates back to edge or, you know, they sort of do a one-two combo with them in that middle linebacker room uh, and then have your, your reader and your tranquil as your depth pieces who are still going to see pretty decent amounts of playing time. Um, but I'll be curious to see what they do with that and particularly how quickly they ramp Kenneth Murray up back into things, especially considering how long his absence has been uh, from the football field in the off season. So that's going to be interesting to watch, but in terms of you know optimism on injuries, the fact that it has been two and a half weeks, um, you know, ahead of where we thought we would be, kind of with Kenneth Murray, I think is really good. Yeah, it was super encouraging to see him back already. I mean, anytime a player can come back before, um, you know, the initial diagnosis of the four to six weeks is it, it, fantastic, and I, I just loved hearing the outlook that he was speaking with at his press conference the other day when he was talking about, you know, adversity making a player and how, or a person and how you respond to that really kind of being the key thing and key attribute that he is looking for and, and trying to, uh, you know, employ in his life. You know, I can't imagine what it would be like to, you know, be going through an injury and then also dealing with the loss of your brother in the middle of the season. And you're trying to figure out your role on the team and you're trying to be an edge rusher, trying to be a linebacker. So, he was really going through a lot last year. And so I, I, I'm glad to see him in a much better place this year. I'm glad to see him even on the field at this point. So, um, you know, I, I hope that he is well, and I hope that he's playing well as well. Well as well. Wow. Lots of wells right there. Um, in terms of his role, um, it sounded like yesterday in practice, the way that it was happening was that Calvin Oy and Drew Jangle were the starters, like I said, when Calvin Oy would move over to the edge rusher spot, which was the first time that he had done that uh, since the spring, that's when Kenneth Murray would come onto the field. Um, I don't know. Obviously, that's going to be the case, right? There, there are other ways that you can involve all three of those guys and, of course, Troy Reader. So they don't necessarily have a great linebacker room, but I feel confident about the primary four players that they have in place if Kenneth Murray is back on track. So... Um, that kind of sounds like the plan, and, and I, I don't know how much they want Kyle Van Oye playing on the edge at this point, especially with Chris Rumpf kind of developing. And, you know, Tyler mentioned Jamal Davis, so we'll have to wait and see. But I think there's enough defined roles for at least the three guys, Kyle Van Oye, Tranquil, and Kenneth Murray, to to play a lot and play a good, good amount of snaps together, not necessarily on the field at the same time. But, you know, you know I, I think they'll have a, each have a role for sure. Yep. Absolutely agree. All right. Perhaps the uh, biggest question mark of the offseason essentially mm. has been decided at this point. Trey Pipkins has not formally been announced as the winner of the right tackle battle, but he has taken all the first team snaps over the last three days. And Storm Norton has uh, started taking snacks, snaps at left tackle, which to me indicates that they're trying to prepare him for that swing tackle role at this point so brandon saley said again today they don't want to declare a winner but their actions are have <laughs> are betraying them so to speak and so trey pipkins officially the starting right tackle this year um you know we have heard from several different people you know whether that's uh our sources or whether that's the players themselves the coaches that uh trey pipkins has improved a lot from who he has been over the last couple seasons and it is officially time for him to go out and prove it. I will say, I mean, I haven't been there in practices, but I do feel like from the footage that I have seen, I've said this before, I feel like the relationship and communication between Zion and Trey Pipkins was just at a, at a higher level than it was between Zion and Storm Norton. And, and I think Trey also played just a smidge better 
than Storm did during the preseason. So there was never like a true separation day be- between these two players, which you know it, it you know it is what it is, right? But Trey, I think, was just a little bit more consistent, a little bit better in each of the preseason games, and ultimately he's the guy going forward. So uh, just don't be terrible, and I'm cool with it. And like I, I tweeted this out yesterday. Anything less than 45 pressures and a pass blocking efficiency rating of 95.5 or higher is a big, big win for this team. And I think Trey can get to those numbers. But, you know, again, got to wait and see what he does on the field first. I'm glad just we followed the natural progression of how this like, it was expected to go. I'm not surprised. Like if Storm Norton were the starter, and I guess maybe he could have earned it, but it seemed like the entire way this was for Trey Pipkins to take. And so for him to, in theory, improve, and you say he looks improved, and Duke Manyweather says he's improved, and I think he does look improved to a certain extent, that's great. Like, we knew that everyone was high on him. Everyone wanted Trey to get this. Obviously, he did. You see the interview with Daniel Popper, Haley Elwood. It was time to take this job. And boy, it took a long time for this, this project to develop. Maybe he's still not developed, but at least he, he finally got where he should be which is a starting tackle for a team winning the job officially and being a starting tackle, not because somebody else got hurt again, not a great set of competition with him, you know, Tom Norton, Foster, Serrell, Bailey, whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Didn't have to do a whole lot to win this job, but he still did get better. He did everything that we could have wanted him to do. Like whatever he was before he got better. And that's really all we could ask for him at this point you know, maybe the Chargers are setting him up to fail because they really should have taken a right tackle at some point or signed a right tackle. But you know what? He's earned the right to start based on who he was competing against. They drafted him to do to do this, and now he's now he's starting. I hope it works out well. The bar of 45 pressures and a PBE of 95.5 is quite a low bar. But you know what? <laughs> Again, I will give or take take that. Like that's fine that is improvement and that little bit of improvement in one game could get them into the postseason that's all trey pipkins has for us is being one game better than storm norton last year they could end up in the postseason because of it um i'd like to congratulate trey pipkins for confirming the coaching staff's priors uh uh of instead of winning a competition because that is to me what this sounds like i mean the chargers didn't go grab a right tackle in free agency they didn't grab a right tackle in the draft. Um, I mean, I'm Jamari Salier, but you know that could potentially be a thing in the future. But obviously, not right now. Um, it's just a weird place to be in because, yeah, he did the work with Duke. We think, in theory, he's better. He's looked better, but Trey Pipkins never really won this competition because there was never a competition to win. Yeah. Storm Norton played his last snap starting for the Chargers in a non-depth backup role when Max Crosby ate his lunch on national television. I mean, that was the there was no chance that Storm Norton was going to be starting right tackle for the Chargers again after that. So, and, you know, obviously we know from last year that Storm, uh, you know, Trey Pipkins got the eyes of people in the building in those two games that he started towards the end of the regular season, which he looked good. I mean... Obviously, there was a lot of help given to him in those games, and the Chargers kind of like reconfigured things around Trey Pipkins. Uh, you know, so it wasn't necessarily like, a, oh, let's just throw him at right tackle kind of game. And the Chargers kind of designed their offense and looks around that. Um, but I, I'm I'm happy for Trey Pipkins. I hope it works out because if it does work out, then you know you can kind of re-sign Trey Pipkins potentially going forward to be your right tackle of at least the next couple of years. Um, and you don't have to go diving into free agency or diving into the, you know, offseason next year, just figuring out what to do with your hole there. And I hope we're not talking about Trey Pipkins the way that we're talking about, you know, or that with the way that we did talk about 2021 Storm Norton. Um, but at the same time, there just is this feeling in my chest where watching the preseason games, hearing everything we heard out of training camp, et cetera, et cetera, that Trey Pipkins didn't really win this job he just got it because it was a no contest yeah i mean i think he was better than storm norton like i said but to me it wasn't like a clear separation a clear win 
It was just like he was slightly better than what Storm Norton was, at least as a pass blocker. I think, uh, you know, Chargers in a, I think that's it. That is asking, is Pickens better at pass protection or run blocking? I think he's better at run blocking than Storm Norton for sure. And I think his athleticism really shows up in that department. Um, I think you're able to do more things with Trey because of because of his explosiveness and athleticism. Um, you know, the, the execution wasn't super clean, but you know, he gets out on that screen block for for uh, Josh Palmer, and you know, is able to kind of lead that that at least get out in space and make and be in in position to make a play. And I think you know, there were a couple um, clips that I tweeted out from the Broncos game from last year where Trey is is pulling out on the perimeter on a, on a counter run block. And I think you can kind of see that be a bigger difference than the pass protection. So um, I don't, like I said, I don't think Trey like outright won this job. Like it wasn't an emphatic victory by Trey, but I do think he was better than Storm, uh, particularly as a run blocker. And so just for reference's sake, why I came up with that specific bar, um, 45 total pressures was the, was 10th most in the league. It was not second most in the league. So just be outside of the top 10 and I'm cool with it. Um, pass blocking efficiency or bottom 10, I should say. Um, mm -hmm. Pass blocking efficiency, again, 95.5 was like right at the cutoff uh, between bottom 10 and, and not bottom 10. So uh, just don't be one of the worst <laughs> tomato cans in the league as a pass protector and I'm cool with it. I guess I do want to bring this up, even though we probably all say the same thing. If Pipkins goes down, because we don't really talk about that as much. Yeah. It's still Storm Norton at right tackle, I would imagine, if yeah. Slater is healthy. Yes. Correct. Yeah. This, yeah. I, I keep on saying this, like this team really believes in continuity and they will not break up the left tackle, left guard pairing of Rashawn Slater, Matt Filer, unless they absolutely have to. Um, so to me, that is Trey goes down, Storm goes down. We don't really have any other option. Okay, let's get my, Matt Filer out of right tackle. So um, that's the situation, and that's, to me, how it's been from day one. Uh, so missed a couple super chats earlier. Of course, our guy, Renee, crushing it in the chat. Every single day we do this is always doing a super chat, so appreciate that one. Um, Diego Ronhel uh, as well did a super super sticker, so appreciate that. Um, I think he meant to attach this comment into his super chat. He says, I think Vato can hold it down. Um, I, I do agree, at least for, you know, a few games. And then we had that recent one from Michael Lopez. Again, somebody that always is in the super chat. So I really appreciate that. Uh, given a week one prediction already, says Chargers 28, Raiders 17. Trenches matter and the Raiders are pretty mediocre there on both sides of the ball outside of Jones and Crosby. And then he also says MVP Herb. So uh, I appreciate the prediction. I do agree with that second sentence, though. I do think the Raiders are pretty weak on the trenches, which is something that we'll discuss more as the game gets closer. Would be huge to hold them to 17 points. That would show me that this defense is, uh, you know, working. Yes, and a super chat from Brent Kincaid as well. We got Callahan to shut down Renfro, put Davis on Adams, and we're good. I don't know if Callahan will shut down Renfro, but he'll definitely be better against him than Chris Harris was last year. Yes, by default. <laughs> Low bar to clear. I mean, that kind of sounds like the slot cornerback version of 95.5 efficiency. Um, but yeah, yes. put Davis on Adams, and we're good, though. I don't know about that but okay yeah i don't know about good but i i don't share the same opinion of everybody yesterday that was like oh Devonte is gonna go for 200 yards easily now it's like well there's other players on the team besides jc and there's a head coach who's a very smart defensive coach for a reason so um you know i'm right there in the middle between we're good with davis and you know 200 yards easily from from adams but we'll, we'll talk about that as we get closer for sure mm-hmm Trying to see how many games Derek Carr had over 200 yards total last year. Um, <laughs> I think it was like three or four. <laughs> okay, it was a lot more than I would have guessed, but I certainly don't think it was 200 yards to one receiver either. I saw this uh, clip from NFL Live today where Ryan Clark was talking about how dangerous the Raiders' offense is and like Derek Carr is a top five quarterback talent. And I, and I do agree, like to a certain extent, that Derek Carr is underrated. 
but it's so funny to me. Like every time people talk about the Raiders offense, nobody talks about the offensive line ever in any good sense. And it's just like chargers. It's, it's a thing. Like you have to talk about the offensive line and you can have all the pass catchers in the world. It doesn't matter if mm-hmm. your quarterback is on his back. I mean, like they won the game, right? But look at what the Titans did to the Bengals offense because they could not block their defensive front. And that's a thing. And Jamar Chase was the best player on the field that game. So, you know, it, it goes both ways. Like you have to talk about the offensive line. Like it's cool that they have three great skill players and a good quarterback. But I mean, they got their offensive line is so bad that Thayer Munford, their seventh round pick, is going to be starting over Alex Leatherwood, their former first round pick. And it's it's some undrafted free agent is starting over Dylan Parham, who they took in the third round this year. It's bad. It's really bad. Leatherwood, man. Uh, we talked about him last year as a sneaky pick at 13, just not realistically, yeah. but like a sneaky pick. And boy, I can't believe what happened. I mean, but Sewell looks great. Slater, all pro, no problem. After that, great man, things it's... about Derrissaw, though. What's that? Derrissaw's crushing it in camp, apparently. Oh, well, I feel good about that. I forgot about him. Yeah, well, okay. everybody else in that class is like Liam Eikenberg. I mean, all these teams, right? They're switching all these guys' positions and things like that. What'd it's been a complete disaster, but um, I'm super grateful that the Chargers got Rashawn Slater. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we'll talk about the roster cuts here from uh, this week. And then, you know, of course, the Chargers have to get to 53 next week, um, which we'll, we'll we'll do our final roster prediction later in the week. But we do have to talk about the recent round of cuts. Um, on Monday, the Chargers announced that they cut James McCourt as well as Cameron Hunt. Uh, McCourt, obviously, the backup kicker. And hey, that guy has got himself a starting job already. Apparently, he did enough in uh, two extra point attempts in the preseason to earn himself the Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> starting kicker position. So uh, we'll see how that one goes. Uh, I tweeted that out, and everybody, rightfully so, had some very funny comments to say about a former Chargers kicker going to the Jaguars. Hmm. Yeah, sounds familiar. <laughs> Does sound familiar. And then the Chargers, of course... Um, waived Tavon Campbell and Damon Lloyd. And I forget the other one right now off the top of my head. Um, those two waived with injury distinctions. Oh, and Ty Shelby. Ty Shelby was the other one, uh, the edge rusher undrafted free agent. So the Chargers roster currently stands at 80. Alex, anything you want to mention about those particular five cuts? Yeah, like I could give you the whole, oh, Josh Lambeau left the Chargers and got good joke. (laughs) But instead, I'm going to give you the joke that Doug Peterson will not kick James McCord in the leg. Anyway, (laughs) um, no, I mean, I think these cuts, uh, obviously, James McCord, there was never any real kicker competition uh, that was going to happen for the Chargers. It was Dustin Hopkins job. Uh, Tavon Campbell, I mean, being waived with the injury designation is, is a little bit, I don't want to say surprising, um, but it, it is, it is playable depth that I think hurts the Chargers more that he's not going to be back at least for a pretty long time, potentially on this roster, maybe not back at all. We don't know, uh, at this stage, what his future really is with the team. Uh, so I think that is an unfortunate loss for them. Everyone else kind 
kind of makes sense in this round of cuts. No one really to that really catches my eye in terms of a cut uh, at this point. I think all the real tough decisions are, of course, going to be after the final preseason game when the Chargers, you know, kind of get into the swing of things and, and make their final decisions there. Of course, the the, the fate of Michael Bandy is, uh, you know, <laughs> what every Chargers fan seems to want to know on this final roster and whether they'll keep six receivers or not. Um, but uh, at this point, nothing that really stood out to me in this round of cuts, partially because I feel like we're only really debating maybe three or four spots on the final roster at this point because the Chargers are such a deep team. And not much to add here. I was surprised at first seeing Devon Campbell let go like that, but you see the you know, the wave designation, injury designation, so I, I understand. Uh, I guess it seems like Dean Leonard has that job then. It seems like Dean Leonard's going to make the team which is great. Uh, I've never seen a player not look so great like that, but also win the job, except for right tackle um, this this past offseason. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Trey was not that bad. Uh, you weren't at that Cowboys practice. I'll tell you what, man. That was as bad as that Rams game for Leonard. Um, but, you know, good, good for Leonard, I guess, is my takeaway from this. Yeah, I'm, I am curious to see if they potentially sign another cornerback, you know, after the roster cuts happen, you know, um, Dean Leonard kind of nursing a hamstring injury at this point. sounds like he's, he's not going to play on Saturday. So I'm very curious to see how the chargers kind of handle the preseason game with this few of corners on the roster. So I'm curious to see if they do end up making a, a hopefully better version of Eric Banks signing for the secondary. Yeah, and I, I think the thing with the Tavon Campbell cut and pretty much, I don't want to say ensuring, but making it pretty likely that Dean Leonard and Jasir Taylor probably make the final roster now, um, I, I think that that shows you that the Chargers are kind of willing to let Dean Leonard work through some of the things he's been going through in the preseason and let him develop on the back end of that roster as opposed to you know what we talked about earlier in the offseason, which was maybe stashing him on the practice squad or, or going through some of these other possibilities for him. You know, they really believe in his upside and, and what he could potentially be in the future and still want him potentially on the final piece of this roster. Maybe he won't be active every game day, of course, uh, because the Chargers aren't going to, you know, just bring all their corners to a game. But at the same time, I do think it's interesting to note that Dean Leonard, you know, probably makes the final roster now. And obviously we'll see about Jasir Taylor as well as some other people. But um, they still have faith in them, of course. It's been uh, a rough two preseason games, but still a lot to look forward to, I think, from what you're seeing from the Chargers coaching staff and their actions towards Dean Leonard. Yeah, absolutely. I should I should clarify here that they they have signed Michael Jaquette. I'm going to guess that's, that's how you say that name. I don't know. Um, but I'm curious to see if they do end up signing another corner after that. You know, like a, a Fabian Moreau, who was cut today, was is somebody that I think could – that kind of player to fill the – Tim on Campbell role, it would be uh, interesting to me. So they could, hey, they could do what every NFL team has been doing for insider trading and trade for Ugo Amadi. I mean, he, he's <laughs> he's available. He could be traded a, a third time in in off season. That poor guy, man, gets traded twice in the span of ten days. Just just brutal. Probably like had just gotten an apartment in Philly too, and now he's off to another team. So. I, I'd love to see like what the hard knock, not the hard knocks version of like following the lines or whatever, but just the hard knocks version of his off season. I yeah. think that would be entertaining. To watch. Yeah, absolutely. So um, like I said, we're going to do our final roster predictions, but it, it sounds like Jossier Taylor and Dean Leonard will kind of round out their cornerback position uh, room out after the top four. So um, kind of expected that, but obviously those guys had to earn it. And Jaw Taylor's been really good, man. I've been very impressed with Jaw Taylor from what we've seen so far. Um, is fantastic as a run defender, blitzer, makes a lot of great reads. So I'm excited about him. Obviously, I hope Bryce Callahan can stay healthy, but uh, I feel okay about Jaw Taylor getting some slot snaps if uh, need be. Mm -hmm. um, all right. So I think that's going to do it in terms of the roster cuts. There are only five, and then the one addition that I mentioned. So, um, Chargers have their final preseason game on Friday um, against the Saints. They're doing a little road trip. I think they're leaving tomorrow evening is, is what it sounds like. Uh, so, Alex, what's one thing that you're hoping to – we've got a lot of clarity on certain roster battles, so I, I don't really know where your head's at, but 
What is one thing you're looking forward to watching on Friday uh, in terms of the guys kind of vying for roles and roster spots? I'm looking to see who we cut after the game because we're going to keep three quarterbacks and four running backs. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm very excited to see who will have a breakout game Michael Bandy goes for a hundred yards and five touchdowns. You know, you, <laughs> you have uh, everyone balling out in the defensive line room, poor Braden Fajoko and everyone else. And uh, just somehow the Chargers depth is going to kill them because they're going to make poor roster decisions. And I can already see us getting the hate on that episode, but on a positive side, I, I do want to see the wide receiver room, um, you know, play, you know, one more time. Uh, get to see Michael Bandy, you know, potentially make that final spot. I'd also like to see the running backs again, because right, they're kind of coming off of a, a dud game against uh, against the Cowboys. So, I mean, if they can sort of get a rebound game, we could sort of get a little bit more clarity on what Joshua Kelly role uh, and Joshua Kelly and Isaiah Spiller's roles will be heading into the season. Um, so, I'm looking forward to that as well. Uh, and then I just think that you're probably looking at some of the not even really the roster cut guys at this point i mean we kind of already talked about how like dean lettered and john taylor and some of those guys are making the roster now because of the cuts they made this week at this point um but just seeing how some of those guys adapt to you know this being their final you know really big push for some playing time uh, i'd like to see dean lettered have a rebound game uh and sort of go into the regular season strong same with some of the other players that have struggled in the preseason as well. Um, and the biggest thing I'm honestly watching is just kind of the players that I think are going to be really important for the Chargers during the regular season. Jerry Tillery and Christian Covington um, have unfortunately to this point pretty much been zeros in training camp in the preseason. And I'd like to see more from them considering not that Christian Covington will start. I mean, Derek Tillery probably will, but both of them are going to probably play significant snaps throughout the season. Um, and you just like to see a little bit more than what they've given you this preseason to this point. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you with that same mentality of looking for guys to step up that really kind of just were given the jobs or are just walking nicely right into a job. Like if you're going to keep Larry Roundtree, Go off for 100 yards, man. Like, go show me that you deserve to be on the roster. Not that he doesn't deserve to be. I shouldn't say that. But, you know, if you're going to keep four running backs and it's going to you be there. It's okay. He's been really bad this preseason in training camp. It's okay. <laughs> it feels very mean and people <laughs> think I'm mean. So I'll be nice. You know, and even honestly, one of the ones that I do need to see step up because he's definitely going to make the team, but they still might keep another person at his position or even two because maybe he's not doing so well. It's JT Woods. He didn't have a great game last week, and he hasn't really been great so far most of the offseason. A lot of flashes, don't get me wrong. The traits are on display. You see some good things, but it's been a work in progress, and that last game was not great, both on defense and on special teams. So, you know, they might have to keep, and this might bump off your bandy, your Fajoko, your whoever, a fifth safety, A, because of some injuries, but B, because they don't feel so great about where JT Woods is at right now. Maybe they do. I don't really buy that they would, but they might because they have to. I mean, there was, what, 106 picks in between Zion Johnson and Isaiah Spiller, and they had one pick, right? It, it was JT Woods. That was it. Over 100 picks between two players. They went with the safety with a ton of trades. And I got to see something. I got to see a little bit more something. Maybe he's a baller in the regular season. Sure, that'd be great. Based yeah. on what we've seen so far, it's definitely a bit worrisome. So I want to both see him step up just to see him step up. But also, I'm not saying I don't want Alohi Gilman to make the roster, but you don't need a fifth safety. So I'd love to see, you know, Mark Webb be healthy in some capacity. And then JT Woods look good. You can go, okay, I feel good about this room. Alohi, sorry, man, just the roster's the way it is. Can't keep you, so we'll let you go. Maybe come back to the practice squad. And then let that open up a spot for somebody else. But if JT Woods goes out there, doesn't look good, and Mark Webb's still kind of unhealthy, and I guess Gilman's still hurt anyway. And then we got to keep five safeties. Like I just, I don't feel good about that, or the three quarterbacks, or the four running backs. So I, I'm actually surprised we've had this entire journey of not liking their roster decisions and feeling starting to feel good, starting to feel good, and we're we're probably going to end up right back where we started with how we feel about their roster decisions because that's just the decisions that they're making. 
Yeah, I'm right there with you in terms of the safety position. That that to me is kind of like where I'm really focusing in on this week. Um, Mark Webb, man, has not been able to stay on the field. I think he's practiced like three times or four times in this training camp practice. Um, hasn't played in either preseason game. You know, Lohi Gilman has been fine, it sounds like, in training camp. Made some good plays as a run defender, and, and that's who he is. We know that's kind of where he excels. JT Woods really kind of struggling with with more so his confidence in his athletic ability and his technique than like actually being in the right position or not. And, you know, Raheem Lane, like this is his final chance to say, hey, like I am better than Mark Webb. I am healthier than Mark Webb. Maybe, you, you know, while you're dealing with JT Woods and his, you know, groin pains, Raheem Lane can kind of, you know, swoop in and, and you know, convince them to keep him. And I could see a world where they keep five safeties while they're kind of waiting for JT Woods to, you know, kind of find his stride a little bit more. And, but of course, somebody has to earn that role right now. Mark Webb can't stay on the field. And so if Raheem Lane ha- can show some things, then I, I think that really affects the roster construction. So we've heard him have some really good practices. He played really well in the first preseason game. I felt like didn't really get a ton of opportunities in the second game. So if there's like a player in a position group that I'm really focusing in on in this game, it is the safety position and specifically JT Woods and Raheem Lane. So um, that's, that's kind of where my head's at on defense, on offense. You know, I, I do want to see, of course, another Michael Vandy game might be his last in terms of uh, making the final roster, but um, give me some tight end action in this one as well. You know, Sage Surratt has been some, a, a pleasant surprise at the position. Hunter Campmoyer. Oh, looks like we lost Alex for a second. Um, Hunter Campmoyer been a pretty good blocker. We've heard that he's practicing as a backup long snapper. Um, you know, Gabe Neighbors getting switched from fullback to tight end all of a sudden. So, um, in terms of the two position groups I'm watching most, it is safety and tight ends for me. I at least feel like tight end is the one group that we're moving. Like, I think if they had to make a choice, that's not the four person group or the extra person group. But yeah, I would love to see something. You know, I love that Eric Crumminhawk posted that, you know, he was a Chargers yeah, fan growing cool. up. So cool. Grew up a Chargers fan. Then he had a picture of him catching a pass in the preseason in, in powder blue. I mean, that's awesome. But uh, he's not making the team. <laughs> but I, <laughs> he can stick around on the practice squad. I think he will. I think he'll absolutely be just kind of that next Camp Moyer sort of guy who just, you know, is elevated back and forth, maybe or whatever. Yeah, I would love to see Sage Surratt breakout game or something. And maybe. I guess to a certain extent, I would love to see what they do with Easton Stick this game because first game, pretty easy design rollouts, a lot of handing the ball off. This game, the last game, sure, they handed the ball off more, but they tried to push it a bit more. Um, so does this game, do they get back to what Easton Stick does well? Do they challenge him again from the pocket? Love to see what they do with him there because, again, he's making the roster, so show me something. You know, you've got yeah. one touchdown so far in the preseason through the air. Let's see a little bit more. You know, it won't happen. Uh, Chase Daniel is going to play in this game, probably going to start just based on how they've done some things. But I almost would like to see them just give stick the whole game and just, you know, say, hey, like, go show us this is your final opportunity they should. to earn the backup spot. I mean, we know we all know what Chase Daniel is and what he isn't at this point. Um, so I, I would like to see them kind of give Easton stick the Bryce Perkins treatment a little bit. Um, but obviously it's not going to happen. <laughs> Um, the thing about giving someone the Bryce Perkins treatment is that they have to show that they're capable of being a QB two in this league. Um, and so <laughs> that is something that he stick has not shown that he's consistently capable of doing. Um, I mean, like, I don't know. I would love to see Easton stick play really well or chase Daniel play really well, but it wouldn't change my opinions on the roster construction of the fact that you only need to keep two quarterbacks. Easton yeah. stick could throw 400 yards and three touchdowns on you know saturday and i or friday and i wouldn't really feel any different <laughs> like about the fact that he shouldn't remain on the team if he does fall out then cut chase daniel do whatever you want to do there but yeah. to me that's just such an issue of just poor roster construction and keeping all three when you can keep one of the practice squad um so i don't know i like it's not going to be like well man uh, chase daniel had a really great game and easton stick had a really great game but oh we had to cut michael bandy and we had to cut all these players that we actually really liked and could have used in our offense in the regular season in a more meaningful capacity because we kept these guys so um 
I wish I could offer more positivity there, but I really can't based on what that quarterback competition has been this preseason. Yeah, no, I feel you. Um, real quick, Super Chat, again, shout out to Renee. He says Gilman over Webb. That sounds like it's been the easier decision so far in practices. You know, we'll see how kind of this uh, plays mm-hmm. out. But I, although he's Gilman, is going to make the roster for sure. Um, Alex Silva, this is this is a painful uh, Super Chat. He says they let Bandy go. He will go to New England or Tampa Bay and shine. Uh, would not be surprised if either of those teams picked him up. Although I feel like Tampa Bay probably not so much. They're, they're generally more of a big power slot kind of team as opposed to a guy like Michael Bandy. But uh, New England definitely a fit for sure. Yeah, go take Julio's job. <laughs> I don't think that's quite it. Um, you know, last thing here, I think Alex kind of mentioned it is is the running backs. Zay Spiller not going to play in this one. Um, so we haven't gotten to see, uh, again, Joshua Kelly has been better, but I haven't really seen like a sweeping victory. So I, I would love to see Joshua Kelly get the opportunity here. But I also feel like, hey, man, like just let Roundtree and these undrafted free agents uh, kind of carry the load in, in this matchup and, and give Joshua Kelly the night, the night off. So, Tyler, what are you uh, hoping to see from the running back position uh, on Friday night? <laughs> like good football. Uh, I would like to see them, <laughs> you know, be like this. Joshua Kelly drops that pass and he goes for two yards and then this person fumbles there. This like I just want to see nice, consistent football. I don't know if the Saints have more defensive depth or whatever. I would like to see them just, you know, run the ball well, look okay, so I feel good about things. Um, but, yeah, I, I guess Josh McKelly, he's a running back. Like, he doesn't need the touches. I know Staley says that he thought all the running backs were terrible, so he will get touches for sure, and I'd love to see him get more involved in the passing game, I guess. But he doesn't really need it. Like, I, I would love to see Larry Roundtree, Kevin Marks, Lady Brown really take three-quarters of this game, if not, you know, 80% of this game. See what you got. I mean, you. I really don't. They don't know what Lady Brown and Kevin Marks Jr. can really do, unless you're looking at film from their college days, because they don't get any touches in camp in yeah. these games. It's just like here's your drive. You have three rushing attempts. Try to get four yards a carry, and that's about it. I want to see what they can actually do. I like. There's just with Kevin Marks Jr. There's like a certain running aesthetic that he has, even in that game when just watching him. Even if he got two yards, three yards. There's just a different wiggle something there. I would love to see that. I don't know if I get a chance to, but I'd love to see that. Yeah, I'd like to see Joshua Kelly just play one drive, really, and just put like an authoritative stamp on him being RB2, especially now that Isaiah Spiller is probably going to be out for maybe the first week of the regular season. Maybe he'll be able to be back before then. Um, so, I mean, just seeing him play one series, get a little you know winder under his legs, especially after last game. Um, a Roundtree marks and Letty Brown game is probably uh, a real incentive for me to fast forward on NFL plus. <laughs> I mean, uh, there's a lot of fans out there for Letty Brown and Kevin Marks. So I like um, Kevin Marks, but I don't think the coaching staff does. So why am I going to put myself through those snaps when we're keeping four running backs and three, the whole spiel. <laughs> yeah i don't know there's some good running backs out there that are uh potentially available for a uh, little trade action little waiver claim action so we'll see <laughs> yeah yeah ernest and rojo rojo whatever jalen rager wide receiver seven <laughs> justin jackson I mean, <laughs> justin jackson. is justin jackson gonna make it i don't even know I don't. Mm, I don't know. He's in not Detroit, as the first right? two running. Yeah, he'd be oh, have to be RB three at best. Which hey, seven carries, fifty four yards, led his team. Looked really good. Who'd have thunk? <laughs> Weird. When he's on the field, it's like he's a good football player. Christ. All right. Well, uh, that's gonna do it for us today, Alex. Any uh, final thoughts before we uh, head out for the evening? Nope. Last preseason game. Uh, fired up and excited to get to the roster cuts episode where everyone will hate us. <laughs> Hopefully they uh, they can understand us at least a little bit. Uh, Tyler, uh, final thoughts, man. Everyone loves us. Just check all the 
comments about me being a potential racist. Just <laughs> everyone loves me. <laughs> yeah, the, the one minority guy on here is the racist. It's it's really funny. Um, but you know, it's, it's all good. So the Chargers, of course, have their final preseason game on Friday. Uh, Saturday morning, we'll be going live to do our uh, reaction to that game. I will not bore everybody with the drive-by-drive uh, -drive recap since nobody really liked that last time. <laughs> Maybe it will be different if they win, I guess. Um, but we'll see. We'll have a recap, and then, of course, we will do our final roster predictions. So I uh, appreciate everybody in the chat tonight. Appreciate the uh, super chats. You guys were crushing it, as always. If you are listening to the audio version of this, please leave a rating or a view. Really appreciate that support as well. So that's going to do it tonight. As always, bolt up. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.